All right. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, my name is Alex Josh, and I'm a product manager on the VMware Cloud on AWS product. My name is Ahmad Yunus. I'm a senior technical marketing engineer at VMware. I cover VMware Cloud on AWS, vCenter Server, and vCenter Server Migrations. So the deal with the presentation is, is that we're going to talk about some stuff that's shipping now, and we're also going to talk on some stuff we're working on. And so obviously things that we're working on are still being worked on, and they may not come out exactly that way. So the deal is, is I get to tell you about cool stuff, but you guys can't hold us two things that aren't finished yet. All right? Makes sense? That's the deal? Fantastic. Um, so just some setup here. You know, one of the fun things about coming to reInvent is that I get to speak to people that are actively um, moving the industry, right? reInvent is a great show because of all the things that are happening in public cloud and the velocity that's happening there. Now, my background is enterprise IT. I've been with VMware about five years. And, you know, one of the things that we're finding out is that all of our traditional VMware customers are transitioning to this um, uh, public cloud style of doing business. And probably for a lot of you in the room, you've been doing this for quite a while. This is not new to you. Um, but for large enterprise IT shops, this is, a, you know, a very new, um, somewhat exciting, but also somewhat terrifying thing to watch the pace of change in the industry accelerate like this. Um, just a show of hands, um, how many of you folks are actually VMware customers and have used vSphere before? Oh, good. <laughs> Great percentage of you. Fantastic. So we have a little club here in the room of VMware people. Fantastic. Um, and then how many of you have, have, are AWS customers but have never used vSphere at all, don't know anything about vSphere? Okay. Only a few. Fantastic. Okay. Um, so, you know, what we're finding out is for folks like yourselves that are vSphere customers that are making this transition to public cloud, it's really the focus is on velocity, the focus is on speed, the focus is this transition and making your IT organization ready for the cloud era. Um, you know, we make the products, it's our job to make sure the products work, but in the end, the really hard thing to do, the very, very difficult thing to do is to transition your organization, right? A lot of the legacy things that IT organizations have done just don't really play well um, in the cloud era. And that's a pretty painful transition for a lot of you, I'm sure. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to create this bridge, this bridge between a traditional IT organization and this kind of cloud speed organization. Um, this is not necessarily just a product thing, but it's also a people and process thing. But on the product side, the goal is VMware Cloud and AWS is tr trying to be that bridge product where you can take these workloads that are running on-prem today, pick them up, move them into the cloud, and they just work, for the lack of a better term. Now, obviously, I just skipped over about two years of engineering time there, but that's the idea, right? That's where we're headed. Um, the other thing that's happening is that um, this, this merge of worlds has basically created this opportunity that VMware refers to as, as hybrid cloud. Um, and what we mean by that is that the, the, the public cloud um, velocity, the public cloud um, scaling factors, the infrastructure that exists in AWS, exposed to um, vSphere and to the VMware platform and allows us to take advantage of all the great work that AWS has done over the last few years. And then when you bring them uh, both together, it turns out that you have this unique ability to give benefits that are traditionally public cloud benefits like velocity, but also benefits that are traditional private cloud benefits like security, stability, right? So all the features that you're used to from vSphere, things like DRS and HA and all those fun things, they just continue to work. But they're sitting inside this cloud platform. 
So that's a pretty unique experience for us. It's very exciting on the VMware team that we're able to do these things. Um, the way that we have chosen to do this is by taking a, a platform um, that we refer to as VMware Cloud Foundation. Um, so you maybe have heard of this if you've gone to VMworld in the past. This is something we've worked on for a number of years. So the underlying uh, technology platform that's sitting underneath VMware Cloud and AWS is actually common to multiple implementations. Um, there's definitely some special things that we've done with AWS that we haven't done with other partners just because of the, the, um, the way AWS Cloud works, um, which is frankly pretty awesome. But um, in general, the bits, the vSphere bits themselves, are uh, common across these different implementations. In the end, the goal is to, take a, to create a service that a AWS customer can recognize and can use, and then a vSphere customer can recognize and use, and then bring that together and deliver it together. Um, so it was an immense amount of work on both uh, teams' part to make that happen. Um, we've had really great support from our friends in AWS. I mean, to be clear, this is a VMware product, right, sold, serviced by us, but I don't want to um, skip over the contributions of the AWS team themselves. They had to do an immense amount of work on their side as well, um, so it's very much a joint effort, right? We meet on a regular basis, the engineering teams talk, I'm on the product management side, but the guys that actually do the work, right, are working very closely together to make this happen. So that's the setup. So, so, I have to give that you to you. You want to keep going. Huh? I would love to keep you going. Off you go, going. sir. All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of jump in and, and get an overview of what this looks like, especially now that we know that most of you guys are VMware customers, and for those of you that are not, we'll, uh, we'll give you an explanation of what's going on. So over here you have your current on-premises data center that you have today running traditional vSphere. You also have your native AWS services that some of your IT folks want to leverage or some of your BUs want to leverage because you know, they, they want to spin up VMs quickly and you may not have the resources to provide them today. So we want to bridge that gap. And that's where VMware Cloud on AWS comes into play. We wind up having an extension of your on-prem into the cloud running the vSphere that you know today, so vCenter, ESXi, vSAN for the storage, and NSX is running uh, your network, and that will be the overlay that goes over your, your VPC. So now your workloads can go from on-prem into the cloud, as well as extend and leverage your traditional AWS services. And we wind up using something like hybrid link mode, which we'll talk about and show later on, to be able to connect your on-prem vCenter server that you use to manage your on-premises to your SDDC vCenter server, and now you can move those workloads back and forth. That's the beauty of VMware Cloud on AWS, is your workloads are not stuck once they go up into the cloud. You can actually move them back. The VMware Cloud on AWS is a managed service, and if you look at what you use today on-prem, you're responsible for all the work, right? So you're responsible for deploying, you're responsible for the maintenance, you're responsible for the upgrades, uh, troubleshooting, all that is on you. With, with this managed service, 
actually all you have to worry about is the workloads. We want to give you time back. So we will take care of the deployment. We will take care of the troubleshooting. We will take care of the upgrades. All that falls on us because you sign an SLA with us and we take care of that for you. So again, all you need to do is just take care of the, the workloads because that's really why we're building the infrastructure is for these workloads. And the good news is, just like you do on-prem, you have this expertise, you carry that expertise over to the cloud. There's nothing really new to learn, it's, it's just vSphere. Yes, there's some new functionalities and, and things like that, but they still translate over into the cloud side, and now you can leverage uh, AWS services once you migrate uh, workloads there or deploy workloads within the cloud. Since we're managing this service, there are some uh, restrictions, right? I mean, we can't just have you going in and deleting things and creating things, right? So what we wind up doing is we have a restrictive permission model. On-prem, you still get to you know, do whatever you want, even once you have that connection with hyperlink mode. But in the cloud side of things, you're restricted to where you can deploy. You're restricted to where you can make changes things like that, because again, it's a managed service, and we wanna make sure that we maintain stability, best practice, things like that. So as, as we go through later on in the demo, you'll see that there's areas where we will allow you to deploy, so we'll have like a compute layer where you can deploy all your VMs, or you can make changes to them, but you can't, let's say, move them to other folders or, or things like that, right? You're, you're kind of restrictive. We also build out resource pools where we have the management pieces, so the vCenter servers, the NSX edges, things like that will reside in there, and then we'll have another resource pool for the compute where you can deploy to. When we look at our configuration today, by default, we deploy a four-node SDDC. And it's actually pretty cool because if anybody who's deployed the entire stack knows, it, it takes at least a few days, maybe a week, with this, it's roughly an hour and a half two you know, to two hour deployment, and you have an entire SDDC. So by the time you click create SDDC, go get you a few cups of coffee, do some email, you have an entire SDDC. Yeah, and to be clear, you're running on a bare metal AWS infrastructure here, right? So the cores and the, and the RAM that you see here, you get just like on-premise. So it's an Intel motherboard, it's a full, bare metal experience, you're running ESX just like you are in the cloud, uh, at home. So there's not a performance difference, right? There's no penalty for running in the cloud. Yep, yeah, so the four nodes get deployed inside on bare metal on AWS hardware within AWS data center, and that way you get to leverage the services from AWS. So the four nodes, you get 144 cores, two terabytes worth of, uh, of uh, storage, but it, or two terabytes worth of memory. And at the same time, we can extend up to 32 nodes within an SDDC. And those 32 nodes are on demand. So if you think about it today, it takes you roughly, what, maybe three months or so to kind of get a host in and get it provisioned, get it online, all that stuff. Here, it's instant. Within about 10 minutes, you can start adding resources instantly without uh, any issues. So it's about two hours to create an STDC from scratch, and it's about 10 minutes to add a host, just to give you a sense of timing there. 
And then we talked about our storage. So we're leveraging vSAN in each host. Uh, it's already uh, encrypted using NVMe devices. So each host will have uh, eight NVMe devices. I'll show you that in another slide. But total capacity, if, if you look, it's about 10 terabytes per host, so 40 terabytes uh, total. So here we have about 32 NVMe devices uh, within a four-node cluster. And if we expand that out to 32 uh, nodes, we have about 256, giving us a total of 320 uh, terabytes of raw capacity. And we can continue adding, again, hosts to that and adding capacity as, as need be. So when you look here, you'll see that the green uh, represents the NVMe for caching. Each host will have two, one for um, the capacity as far as the compute, and then we'll have uh, another side for the management. Again, you can't touch the management piece. And then the blue represents the actual capacity for the host. Again, one for management, the other side for compute. This is really split up into logical um, data stores when you look at the, the vSAN. So you'll see one as a, a workload uh, data store and then another one for vSAN as well. <clears throat> so when we add a cluster it, or add a, a host or a cluster, what winds up happening is over here we have four nodes. I want to add my fifth. It's a simple button click. By the way, we do have REST APIs for all this. I know we talk about the GUI, but all this we have in REST as well. Yeah, REST, PowerCLI, DCLI. So if you're Alan or NIF fans out there, um, all, the, all his PowerCLI goodness works here as well. And if you're, if you're familiar with vSphere 6.5 with the vCenter server appliance, you can actually go into the API Explorer, and we also have the APIs there as well. So you kind of have two sets of APIs, one for vCenter management and then another set for the VMware Cloud on, on AWS. So here, we, what we wind up doing is, with a simple click of a button, or we can automate it, we'll say add a single host. When we add the host, it goes in, it automatically creates the management network, the vMotion network, the vSAN network, as well as the v, VXLAN network for NSX. And then it goes in and adds the capacity into the cluster, and you're off and running. Again, all within 10 minutes, and all you did was click a single button. So what happens when we have a host failure? Well, if you look today, on, I mean, on-prem, you kind of have to deal with that, right? So if it happens over the weekend, well, sorry, your weekend's cut short, and now you have to troubleshoot, right? You may even have to order a new host. Here, what we wind up doing is we'll actually get alerting, we'll be notified, we'll know before you will. We will automatically add a new host for you, and then we'll remove the old host while you get to enjoy your weekend. So we're pretty much on call 24 by 7 for you. So you get to enjoy the weekend, and we get to work. Well, he gets to work. <laughs> Again, we've been talking about this restrictive permissions model. And as, as we mentioned earlier, it's kind of broken up into two separate areas. It's the management pool where you have your vCenter server, your PSCs. And by the way, in uh, the announcement that you heard this week, uh, before we were only supporting on-prem and embedded vCenter deployment. Now we'll actually extend that out and we will also support an external deployment. 
So whether you're embedded or external, we'll be able to support this. And now you get the benefit of, especially for external deployments, you get the benefit of enhanced link mode on-prem, extend that to hybrid link mode, and now you can manage the number, you know, up to 10 or 15 vCenters on-prem if you're running 6.5 or 6.5 update one, and then you'll have one SDDC vCenter. So you have full visibility into on-prem and into the cloud, and you can manage it all from within one UI. And then we'll have the compute pool where you get to deploy all your workloads, uh, whether um, they're, they're leveraged for the, the cloud or if you want extensions into AWS. So this is kind of the, the breakdown, and we'll show you later as we jump into the demo. Awesome. So, so far, the only dis difference between on-prem and uh, cloud that we talked about is the permissions model. The other major change is the way the networking works. So because we sit on top of um, AWS's network infrastructure, what that means is that we, have to, we had to change the way NSX worked a little bit so it can talk to the underlying um, VPC infrastructure. Now, all this is handled automatically, and in fact, you can't change it. Um, but I, we just kind of want to explain the way it works so that you're not really confused about what's going on. Um, so what happens is, is that when you create what we refer to as an SDDC, which is basically a full deployment with VC, right, and the hosts that go with it, at that time, we actually assign you to a what we refer to as a shadow VPC. This is a VPC that we own and we manage and we operate. So it's created on your behalf. It's, it belongs to you. It's assigned to you. That is to say we're not multi-tenant, right? There's one customer per VPC. Um, and, your S and your vCenter infrastructure is, belongs to you also, it's not multi-tenant, and the hosts. But all of that is operated and managed by our automated infrastructure on the backside. What you can do is you can log into our portal and do things like create networks, assign CIDR blocks, create logical networks, things like that. Um, this is also the way you present a VPN if you want to come back home. Um, also things like DX and stuff like that. So we're going to get into DX in a second. Um, but at the top level, the, the notion is, is that you have a, a, someone who has rights to log into the, to the, the VMware Cloud on AWS portal, and that person establishes your core networking connectivity. So basically all of the topological information is configured there at that time. Then once that's done, then you can hand it over to a, a vSphere uh, uh, administrator. Now this might be the same person, which is fine if you've got a small organization, but if you have a large organization, you may have people that are vSphere administrators who don't know anything about AWS and don't want to know anything about AWS, and that's fine. What you do is you delegate access to them to vSphere, and then they log in the way they normally do. Now, they're running in AWS, but they're not necessarily aware of that fact. What they get is they get a VC UI with a VDS and all the things you would normally expect to see in vSphere. Now, under the covers, that's mapped to all the AWS infrastructure, and it's sitting on a VPC and all those kinds of good things, right? But it's a little bit um, hidden from the vSphere user. Um, that's the wrong button. <laughs> uh, the, in the future, so remember I talked at the beginning of the talk about how I was going to explain some really cool things that aren't quite done yet, but you have to give me some, a break about uh, holding me to it? This is that part of the conversation. So what we're working towards is this notion of saying we want to allow an uh, enterprise network administrator to log in directly to NSX and do advanced NSX tasks things like micro-segmentation, other kind of things that NSX knows how to do. So to be clear, that's not currently enabled in the product today. Today, what we have what we refer to as a simplified mode. So you can do all the basics, like set up a VPN, establish 
excuse me, establish um, firewall policies, all the things you would expect to have work, DHCP, et cetera. But some of the more advanced uh, features of NSX are not currently enabled. So what will happen is when we go to this kind of advanced mode, then you'll be able to have a full NSX experience if you wish to do so. Um, there'll be, you know, how we actually implement this we'll see, but the idea is that when you kind of shift into this advanced mode, if you choose to do it, now you're managing all of your network objects directly by yourself, and you can do, you have a lot more flexibility at that point, but you also give up some of the support from us, right? Because now if you break your network, well, that's on you now, right? Because you have the ability to configure it. So there's kind of a choice to make there about how much control you want to have versus how much support you want to have from us. And that'll be a decision you get to make um, at implementation time. Um, the other interesting things that we announced this week, um, we announced this week support for Direct Connect, um, which is a big feature that we've been wanting. Um, now, this, to keep in mind, uh, VMware Cloud Native US is only three months old, so we're not like a, a, an ancient, doddering old service, but we've actually shipped our second version already. Um, so we, we made an announcement a while ago that this was going to be different, that we weren't going to do this the way vSphere works, that we were going to ship very, very rapidly. And I think some people believed us, and some people just kind of grinned like Imad's doing right now and said, yeah, sure, we'll see. <laughs> um, but it turns out that we are actually going to do that, and we've lived up to that commitment. So we did that for the first time um, this week, about three months after we shipped originally. So we've announced a number of features that we're going to get into. Um, one of them that's really exciting is this notion of direct connect. Um, and in fact, instead of talking about it here, maybe we could just show it right quick. Come on, we'll, we, um, we, we shot a video of this because it's actually hard to do this live because it's physical connectivity. So apologies for the fact that it's a video, but this is real. Um, what you do is you actually go into your AWS console here, and if you've ever used AWS Direct Connect, this should look super familiar, because what, all you're going to do is you're going to go create a private VIF. And the private VIF is then presented to your SDDC. And the way you do that is that we expose to you the, um, what we call the shadow account, or the, the account that we control. And so this way, the network connectivity to the, to the DX is controlled by your operations team, the way you do it now. So I'm assuming a lot of you already have Direct Connect. And then all you're doing is you're just delegating a VIF to us. So it's a pretty straightforward operation, right? So what you're seeing in here is you're seeing the AWS UI, and the user is creating a, a, a private VIF, and then all the normal, you know, they have to select the VLAN, they have to assign a CIDR block, right? The only thing that's different about this entire operation is that the account, the AWS account ID that you're presenting the VIF to is not your account. It's ours. Other than that, it's exactly the same operation you would do normally, right? So you go in here, you configure the VIF, right? Um, you do BGP, all the normal things that you would normally do. Um, BGP keys, all those kinds of things. And then it's created underneath. When we actually present the VIF to the um, SDDC, what happens is, is that now the ESXi hosts perceive this new route that they didn't have before. And that becomes a private route to your infrastructure. So you'll see here that says two virtual interfaces need to be accepted. So that's AWS's way of telling you that you've tried to present it to this account, but it's not your account. So there's this kind of two-step process that AWS uses to ensure that you've presented it to the correct account. Right? So that error message is normal. That's expected. And in fact, if you go up into the connection section, um, what you'll see is you'll see them in this kind of pending state, right? which is, again, is, is perfectly normal. And you'll see here pending exceptions. Right? So if you've done it correctly, you'll see this pending acceptance. Now what you're seeing here is our UI. So now you log into VMware Cloud and AWS, right? and you go and inside the networking tab, 
excuse me, throat's a little dry today, you'll see this new section, right, called Direct Connect. And in the virtual interfaces, magically, you'll see, haha, the two VIFs that I just created. So now it says you need to accept them. So you go ahead, and you, there's some uh, nice lawyerly words here about how much that's going to cost. Don't worry about that part. Just go click OK. It's fine. Um, trust me on this one. It's fine. Um, yeah, click OK. And, uh, and then what happens is under the covers, then we take the VIF, we present it to the correct um, uh, VPC. Again, it's the VPC that we manage. And then what happens is in a few minutes, take about 10 minutes. We, we sped all this up, by the way, right? About 10 minutes end to end, you'll see this uh, green status at the end here, right? And what that means is that the VIF is up, the, BBC, the BGP is configured, and then it's expressing the routes to the underlying infrastructure. And that's pretty much the end to end um, how that works. That's the wrong one, I think. There we go. There we go, lovely. So that's Direct Connect. Um, super, super cool feature. We just announced it yesterday, so it's brand new. Um, we're also doing um, what we refer to as L2 and L3 VPN. Now, L3 VPN is something we've had in the product from the very beginning, um, but L2 VPN is new. L2 VPN, in our language, means that we've taken an L2 segment, right, a networking segment, and we're extending it up into the cloud. Um, and I think Iman's going to show us to us a little later, right? If I can get the Wi-Fi working. If we can have yeah. Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, the Wi-Fi is down. So hopefully we'll have Wi-Fi and we'll show that to you. Um, but the way, the, what, what we're going to do is we're going to allow you to take a single um, L2 segment and extend that segment up into the cloud. And this allows you to do things like uh, vMotion, allows you to move VMs up and down the cloud without changing their IP address, right, which is a pretty big deal. Okay. Um, the other big announcement we made this week is we announced um, something we call VMware Site Recovery, um, otherwise known as DR as a service. What's interesting about this announcement is that it basically takes the tried and true uh, SRM technology that we've had for some time, and it turns it into a, a delivered as a service product. So similar to the way vSphere is being delivered to the service, now Site Recovery Manager is being delivered to the service. Who here is actually using SRM on-prem? Okay. So one okay. cool thing about this, I'm sure Ben will probably kill me for <laughs> exposing this, but on-prem, you actually have to deploy SRM on Windows. In your SDDC, it's just like the VCSA, it's running on Photon OS. So now, SRM in the cloud is an appliance. Fantastic. The, um, similar to the way that uh, vSphere is running, this is working as, as, a, as a service, so it means that we're responsible for the appliance, we're responsible for, for installing it, we're, we're responsible for patching it. Um, the, um, the experience is that you connect your, your um, VMware Cloud and AWS uh, installation to a VC that you're running on-prem, and then you use the, un the uh, vSphere replication feature to replicate VMs from on-prem to the cloud, and, well, and back again, by the way, right? You can do either way, by up direction. or down. Yep. Um, and then that replication, once it's established, it'll update the VMs um, you know, every so often, right? It's, there's a knob you get to turn about how often you ship uh, deltas in the cloud. Um, but the minimum um, RPO is about five minutes. Um, so this is not full synchronous writes, right, as you can imagine, because there's latency involved. But a five-minute RPO is generally considered pretty good. You know, most of you are probably running that latency or more already in your environments today. Um, and then what happens is if you have a disaster, 
then we use the, the um, orchestration capabilities of Site Recovery Manager to restart the VMs and recreate your environment. Um, for those of you who have never seen Site Recovery Manager, I would strongly encourage you to go, attend, go see uh, Ben Metacroft's session on this subject. There's a lot of detail here about how it works and what orchestration is and test failovers that I just, I apologize, but we just don't have time to get into in this session. We could easily spend two hours on this subject alone. So if you're interested at all in uh, disaster recovery, I would strongly encourage you to, to go see that session. Um, there's a lot of detail there. If you've ever used SRM before or seen Site Recovery Manager, it'll be pretty familiar, right? This is, a, um, this is the same code base, but it's just the latest version of Site Recovery Manager. So all the kind of features that Site Recovery Manager has, um, runbooks, test failovers, failover, failback, reverse replication, all those things are all work, they're all there. Um, so it's a very cool product. This Again, also doesn't, sorry, this also not only works with on-prem to the cloud, but also between two SDDCs in the cloud. So you don't really need to have an on-prem environment you can actually use Site Recovery Manager between two different SDDCs, and they can be in two different regions as well. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> the other big announcement that we made this week um, is the uh, uh, Hybrid Cloud uh, uh, Extensibility. Actually, we changed, we changed the name. <laughs> Messed up the slide. Sorry. Uh, so, um, Hybrid Cloud uh, ex uh, Exchange. Ex Extension. Extensions? Oh, God. My marketing people are going to kill me because I got the name wrong. Apologies, folks. Um, we'll just call it HCX for now. But the, uh, the notion is that um, we wanted to build a tool that allowed you to do migrations in bulk. Um, and so we've had this tool for some time for other clouds, <coughs> which we won't mention. And um, those other clouds had the ability to do things like extended subnets and high-capacity replication, replication, you know, kind of as... We had this notion of a cold migrate, which means you shut the VM down and move it, but then we also had this warm migrate, which meant that if you replicated all the disks first, then you shut it down and then you moved it. And then we also have this notion of a hot migrate or a vMotion, right? So this is kind of this orchestrated vMotion to cloud. All of those things are all supported here with this new migration tool, and we announced it this week. Um, so it's a very cool tool. It's a, it's a separate product, right? So it's an additional charge over and above VMware Cloud and AWS. But if you're thinking about moving large number of VMs, um, this is probably um, your best choice for these kind of mass migrations, right? So it's, again, a lot of detail here, and I apologize. So it's, by the way, if you haven't figured this out, this is kind of like the, the first taste-free session <laughs> where we're just going to give you the overview of what's going on. And then we have detailed sessions about all of these uh, coming along later. Uh, so if, if migration into VMware Cloud at AWS is a subject that you're interested in, I would encourage you to attend that follow-on session, or you can come by our booth. We have a demo of this in the booth, and the, the team that worked on this, uh, who I now owe several beers for messing up their name, uh, will <laughs> we'll be there and be happy to give you a, a, an example of this. The other interesting thing about this product is because it's, it's been around for a while, it also supports like older versions of vSphere, right, all the way back to 5.1. So one of the things that, um, for example, um, hybrid link mode is super interesting, but you have to bring your on-premise vSphere kind of up to more modern versions. But what happens if you don't want to do that, right? What happens if you want to, if you have a really old um, vCenter that you really would just like to retire and never touch again? A tool like this is maybe more appropriate, right? Because you can just go over there, grab all the VMs off of it, migrate, 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 and then you just retire it, right? And you don't bother upgrading it. So this tool would probably be appropriate um, if you're facing that kind of situation. I know I have some customers that have um, some legacy infrastructure out there that's, that's getting a little longer in the tooth that maybe they don't want to support anymore, right? 
So it's kind of up to you where you're at. Some customers want to maintain on-prem and cloud current, which is great. Some customers want to migrate to, migrate to cloud. So all those options are, are out there for you, and you get to decide how you're going to do that. Did we get uh, Wi-Fi back up? I got Wi-Fi back up. Fantastic. Just in time. Yeah. All right. You're on, babe. All right. There we go. There you go. All right. So we've been kind of showing you and, and telling you about it. So how about we just jump in and, and do a live demo? How's that sound? So as soon as I log in, the first thing I'm greeted with is a getting started walk me. So you don't really have to have any experience with VMware Cloud on AWS. We'll provide you uh, guided features as well as step-by-step. -step. So as soon as you start clicking in here, so for example, if I start clicking on hybrid link mode, it will start guiding me throughout the process, telling me where to click and, and what I need to do. And uh, So you don't really need any kind of experience getting started. But this is the console that you're greeted with. It, it gives you an overview of the number of CPUs, memory, and storage that you have available in your SDDC. And when I come in here and click more details, now I'm greeted with even more tabs. So I have my network, add-ons, connection info, and support. When we click on network, the first thing we'll, we'll see is actually a nice picture of the, the network piece from on-prem and also the, some management and the compute. So here you can see that I have VPN access. It's nice and green. If it's down, it actually states uh, that it's red. So you'll know when it's connected and when it's not connected. You also kind of get an idea of how many firewall rules are in place, uh, both here and in the compute layer, as well as showing me my VPC connection to Amazon. Yeah, we didn't talk about that very much during the talk. But to clarify what's happening here is that if you want to consume native AWS resources like EC2 or RDS or whatever, you have the ability to do that. And the way we do that is we mount an ENI in your VPC. And then we have a route that allows us to route to that. So it's not VPC peering. It's native access to the AWS services that you're running in your account. Now, again, you don't have to do that. But if you're running kind of this hybrid model where I have a VM running in vSphere and that VM wants to consume, say, RDS, it's relatively easy to do that. You just have an L3 routed path directly into the VPC that you've connected here. And that's what's showing up in this example. Yep. By default, everything as far as firewall rules is turned off. So the first time you deploy an SDDC, the first thing you'll have to do is create an inbound firewall rule for vCenter. That way, when you launch vCenter, you're able to log in. Otherwise, you won't be able to access vCenter. You'll start seeing some other firewall rules that we have here. Uh, the ones that I kind of want to highlight are actually the vMotion. So this one here, vMotion, uh, the inbound and the outbound, that's what's going to allow us to do, use, utilize the L2 stretch for live migration that we announced this week. The other thing here is we can leverage our on-prem DNS, uh, which is needed for hybrid link mode. So I just go in here, add my on-prem DNS servers, and hit uh, save. This is the same screen that you saw earlier that Alex presented in regards to the, the L2 and the Direct Connect. So all my network and firewall uh, security, all that is done within the network console here within VMware Cloud on AWS. With, and, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm not a network guy, right? So I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes with NSX, but all I need to do is come in here, 
configure my firewall rules, and now I'm up and running. So it doesn't really take a lot of network knowledge to, to do this up front, but you will have to work with your network guys, just like you do today on-prem uh, with your traditional vSphere. So looks like uh, Alex, uh, really? <laughs> really? So we have a live um, support function built into the product. So our support engineers are available to you 24-7. And I'm using the, the iOS version of that console here to talk to him. Now, I promise that when you use the product, you won't get some you know, dumb guy like me. You'll get a real engineer who actually knows what he's talking about. But for the purposes of demonstration, we have this notion of a live chat with 24-hour support. If you ever get stuck, you ever have a problem, you just jump in the chat, ask us a question. It's right there. And so that's what you're seeing here. So I wasn't kidding when I said he's working 24 by 7. <laughs> but yeah, so here I can, uh, earlier on today, I, I went to Alex and said, hey, I want to deploy 32 nodes within my SDDC. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And then I said, well, I want to do it within the demo. And that's kind of where this chat is, is going with. So let's take a look at how we do that. If we scroll back up here, I have an actions button. Here's where I can actually add another cluster, add more hosts, I can remove hosts, and oh, what's this do? What's this? <laughs> Let's click on that and find out. <laughs> so if I wanted to, I could delete my SDDC, but don't worry, it's not like when I click on it, it's automatically gonna delete. You actually have to check these boxes, and then it's gonna go out and delete your SDDC. Not, for, not one, not two. Five checkboxes, you have to be really, really, really sure you're going to do this. <laughs> I was trying to scare him earlier. He wouldn't let me. <laughs> All right. So let's go back here. And if I want to add, let's say, hosts, it's as simple as just coming in here in this dropdown. And as you can see, it says maximum of 28 here, but it's also taken into account the four hosts that I have deployed. So I can deploy up to 32 nodes within an SDDC and it's instant. So the first time I deploy one within 10 minutes, it's up and running and I, I don't say, do inst anything. Instant being defined as about 10 minutes, but yeah. Well. <laughs> the click okay is instant. <laughs> I don't have to go through the bureaucracy of requesting you know, money and asking for new hardware and all that stuff. So to me, yeah. That's instant. No racking and stacking, put it that way. All right. Also, when we were talking about Site Recovery Manager, now there's a new tab called Add-ons, and all you have to do is simply come in here. Uh, by default, it's deactivated. You enable it, which we haven't enabled, and you just open up Site Recovery Manager, and now you'll start to do the pairing that you typically would do uh, when you have an on-prem setup, but now you're pairing either to a vCenter that is either on-prem or in another SDDC. So it's, it's really, really that easy. Let's open up vCenter. The other thing is credentials. You'll notice that here I have a new, uh, by default, administrator. So on-prem we have administrator at vSphere.local. In the cloud we have cloud admin at vmc.local. So two different permission models, again. Um, and we provide you a way to copy and paste your, your password and your username. I'm actually going to log in with my on-prem account. 
So here, I'm just going to use my on-prem. How many of you use um, Active Directory integrated SSO today in vSphere on-prem? I'd say about half then. Okay, so hopefully this should be pretty familiar. <clears throat> the idea is you don't want to have like, a bunch of random credentials running around, right? You want to use the same AD credentials or your open LDAP credentials. And then, so you just reuse those here. It's exactly the same functionality we have on-premise to allow you to use those that common SSO. So one thing you'll notice that's different from on-prem and in the cloud is we only have one client into the, in the cloud, right? So we only have the H5 client available, whereas on-prem today you're kind of split between the vSphere flash-based client and the H5 client if you're running 6.5. But in VMware Cloud on AWS, you're only using the H5 client. The other thing you'll notice is here I have the, the top vCenter that I have here highlighted. That is my cloud vCenter, has the SDDC in the name. The other three vCenter servers are running on-prem, and that's because I have an external platform services controller, and I have enhanced link mode on-prem. So by simply connecting the, basically connecting the identity source, giving it the groups that I want permissions to, so my cloud admins who are gonna administrate this environment, and then connecting it to my platform services controller on-prem, I now have hybrid link mode, and I can manage both on-prem and the cloud. So I can move VMs, I can manage VMs on-prem, whatever I want to do. In this case, I'm going to expand out. Here's my first cluster. I have four nodes here. And again, the separate permissions model. So I have a compute resource pool. This is where all my VMs will reside. So here I have about four VMs. And then I have my management resource pool. And this is where SRM, vCenter, NSX Edge, all that live. It's kind of a look but do not touch type model. So I can come in here, I can see them, but if I don't have, because I don't have permissions, I cannot mess with them. Now the theory here is that we want you to know what's going on. We're not trying to hide anything from you, so you'll have read-only access to everything. So even when we take an action, like for example, if there's a failed server and we remediate it or if we patch, you'll see all that happening in the UI. But you're a read-only admin for that part. So you'll see VCSA there, you can't start or stop it, you can't log into the root, things like that, but it's all there. So if you're an experienced vSphere admin and you want to see what's going on, you want to see what we're doing, you can go ahead, you can log in, and it's all there for you, read-only. Just real quick, I want to show you where you would go in and, and see hybrid link mode. So under the menu administration, you would go in and you'll see hybrid cloud. And here, this is where I would get a three sets of, of options or steps where I would go in and start configuring hybrid link mode. Of course, I've already done it, so you'll see that my domain is linked. Now, the difference between hybrid link mode and enhanced link mode, I mean, there's several, but just real quick is the ability to link and unlink. Enhanced link mode, it's kind of a one-time thing. It happens automatically having an external deployment. With hybrid link mode, I can, at any point in time, link my environments together and unlink and I get to retain the separate permissions model, right? Whereas with enhanced link mode, I have to retain the same permissions model, the same SSO domain, right? These are two separate SSO domains. My on-prem is vSphere.local, the cloud is vmc.local. So again, two separate environments, two separate domains, but we're bringing them together so you can manage both. So let's go back 
And what do you think? You think we should move a VM? I think we should move a VM. Do you guys think we should vMotion a VM live to cloud for realsies? Yeah, these look like nice people. We should totally do that. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Keep in mind that we announced this feature yesterday, so I'm sure everything will go fine. <laughs> Famous last words. Andrew's sitting here in the room here. Our, our, one of our directors of engineering is right in the front row, so if it goes wrong, we'll just point him out to you as you leave. <laughs> so you remember earlier when I said it's the same vSphere that you're using on-prem, same vSphere you're using in the cloud. If you look here, I'm doing a vMotion. These are the same menus that I have on-prem, so I should be familiar with, with this menu option. So here I'm going to change both my compute and storage resources. I'm going to click Next. Now I'm going to select my SDDC. And if you notice here, it came up and told me that I don't have sufficient permissions. Again, we're restricting where you can deploy these VMs. So what I have to do is expand out and go to my compute resource pool, and now it's going to say that I'm validated. So if you, again, if you try to click anywhere that you're not supposed to or try to deploy anywhere or do anything you're not supposed to, we will not allow it. So here I'm going to select my workload data store. This is also where we have the logical breakdown between the workloads and the management. Click Next. The only place I can deploy VMs now is my workloads folder. Click Next again. Now here I'm going to select my L2, L2 stretch network within the cloud. This is one that I had to create previously uh, once I was creating my L2 uh, network. So to be clear, right, we have a single um, IPv4 subnet, right? And it's stretched from on-premise in Palo Alto, or actually Washington yeah. data center, sorry, up into the Oregon region, right? So one IP address range. This is the reason why this works, is because the VM's IP doesn't need to change. By the way, this can also be leveraged, L2 stretch can be leveraged with SRM, so that way if you don't want to change your VM's IP address, make sure you have this set up, and now you can keep the same IP address. And I'm going to say, let's do it now, because that's how we roll. And let's expand this guy out. And my VM is now moving. Here he is here. So in some ways, this is known as the world's most boring demo, right? Because how many of you have ever vMotioned a VM? Hopefully most of you, yeah, okay. So hopefully you've done this many, many, many times before, right? And surprise, it looks exactly the same as what you're already doing. Now, the fact that you're doing it up into a public cloud is kind of exciting, but everything else should be very boring, and that's on purpose, right? Should be familiar, should be common, this is the way you do it now. If you currently have this scripted, you can continue to have this scripted, right? Uh, now, of course, we're doing a really small VM here, so we're cheating a little bit. It's going to go nice and fast. And it's also sitting on top of our DX infrastructure. Remember we showed you earlier we had a DX connected? So we have a DX from Washington into Oregon, right? So we've definitely stacked the cards in our favor here, right? Did, we did everything exactly correct. But given that, with a little bit of care and a little bit of advanced planning, um, this is a very reasonable scenario that you can actually deploy um, in production. Just waiting for it to, to finish, and it finished, and now just... Quick refresh. Andrew wipes his brow. Whew. And there it is. So this VM that was running on-prem in one of my vCenters is now running within my SDDC. 
And the good news is it's not stuck there. It this can actually. A little, no applause for that. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> the good news is this is not stuck there. It can actually make a round trip. So if you need to bring it back on-prem, you can, whereas traditional clouds, you're normally kind of stuck with those workloads. You normally have to back those up and then bring the data back on-prem. Here you can actually bring the entire VM back if you need to. Awesome. That is good stuff. So just to be clear, everything that he just showed you is all live, it's all real, it's all shipping, right? My mouse is moving right here, see? If, uh, you know, if you want to buy this as a guy in the back with an order book, we'll just, boom, we'll get you going, all right? Okay, so we're running a little short on time. So just to wrap up, this is the last thing we'll talk about is, you know, everybody says, oh, this is kind of cool, Alex, this is kind of neat, but what, what the heck is this thing for anyway, right? So what we're saying is, is that there's kind of three scenarios that customers are talking to us about here. Um, one is this notion of maintain and expand, right? So I've got a data center, I'm at my capacity limit, I can't really expand it any further, and I need to add capacity without really changing the way my operations work. So this is an excellent way to do that, right? You're in effect, you're just adding a new rack of gear without buying a rack of gear, right? You connect it back home using DX or VPN, it participates in your home network, Bob's your uncle, Millie's your aunt, everything just works. Um, the other one is this notion of saying, well, I actually, you know, acquired this company, I've got three small data centers, I've got one in Germany, I've got one in the UK, I don't have staff in all those places, how do I do that, right? So there's this notion of saying, I really want to consolidate my workloads and then migrate everything up into a common facility. So this is a really good way to do that as well because it allows you to have a single unified global platform, right? So today we're in Oregon and we're, we announced yesterday we're in Virginia. But over time, the strategy is we'll be in every AWS region worldwide. So you'll be able to potentially run vSphere anywhere on Earth that you would like to run it in the, in the geographies as long as AWS has a region there. And then the last one is this notion of workload flexibility. As, as Ahmad just showed you, I can take a single VM or a group of VMs or an entire application, migrate that bump into a cloud, run them there for three months or six months, and then remove them back again. Or I can take them here, move them to Oregon, bring them back down, move them to to rest in, you know, whatever you want to do, right? So it's that flexibility and that speed and the ability to change your mind late in the game that's quite difficult to do on-premise, right? If I have 40 racks of gear sitting in a data center in Phoenix, I'm not going to just, like, move those to Virginia on a whim, right? It doesn't work that way. I'm going to be in Phoenix for a while now. Even if I'm only leasing the gear, there's a certain amount of data gravity involved and it just it's hard to move. On the other hand, in this case, I can just say, okay, that VM goes here, this VM goes there, move them up and down, a lot of flexibility, right? So as you can see, this really speaks directly to this notion of cloud scale, cloud flexibilities, cloud velocity, but in an operational context that's exactly the same as it could currently have on-premise. So that's the prepared remarks that we have for you today, and I want you to thank you very, very much for attending. As you can tell, this is an immense amount of work. This is two years of our life here that you see. Hopefully you enjoyed the presentation. I am happy to take questions. We have a booth in the expo hall, and then Ahmad and I are going to be outside in the hallway after the session. We're happy to chat. I think we have about I, 10 minutes. We left. literally can talk about this for hours. Thank you all very much.